0: evening, chapter number one. back there so I can good now still not there do what now it's not there Are you guys disconnected? Well, you might just get to... There we go. Okay. Okay. All right. Good. Deuteronomy chapter 1. A little sluggish system there. Verse number 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse number 1, these be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel on this side Jordan in the wilderness, in the plain over against the Red Sea between Paran, Tophel, Laban, and Hazaroth, and Dizahab, uh, I've been listening to, uh, here's a Little uh, thought running through my mind. I've been listening, when I read my Bible every day, I'm listening to a guy with a British accent read it. And it's pretty fascinating the way he pronounces things. Adversaries. Like, it's adversaries, but he says adversaries. And it's not controversies, it's controversies. And you should hear some of the pronunciations of the names, too, that he gives. Uh, Anyway, verse number two And we touched on this last week there, 11 days journey from Horeb, another name for Mount Sinai, by the way of Mount Seir, unto Kadesh Barnea. It took the children of Israel 40 years to travel an 11 days journey. Verse number three, and it came to pass in the fort, now notice the time frame, in the 40th year, in the 11th month of the first day of the month, that Moses spake unto the children of Israel. So we'll see a map here in just a moment as to where the children of Israel were. They're on the east side or what's called J- Transjordan. They're on the east side of the Jordan River now, uh, right parallel uh, to the, the, the north edge of the Dead Sea. We'll see a map of that here in just a moment. We know that Moses dies at the end of the 40-year wandering in the wilderness at 120 years of age. And as a matter of fact, the last chapter of Deuteronomy gives us that time frame as well. So the point is this, is Moses has a month to live, and what he gives from the Lord in Deuteronomy, he gives in the last month of his life. And you know, I was thinking about our own mortality. If someone told you, beyond any question, that you had one month to live, it would have an effect of condensing the things that really matter in life, wouldn't it? It would laser focus you on what really matters, the things that are of significance to you, and in particular as a believer, things that are of eternal significance, and making sure that uh, I'm ready to meet the Lord and that I am leaving the right testimony to those who will stay behind. But here is Moses, and he's giving final instruction to the second generation of those that came out of Egypt. Uh, How many of you have ever heard the name Václav Havel? Anybody heard that name before? 1989, when the Soviet Union collapsed, uh, all of those small countries, those Slavic and and Bloc countries that had been forcibly made a part of the Soviet Union, they all of a sudden found themselves, in many ways, without the stability, so to speak, of the Soviet Union. And so you had countries where people had grown up and all they had ever known was the rigid communism and literally nations of people who didn't know how to govern themselves. And Vaclav Havel was a man that was raised up in the country of Czechoslovakia. He was a Czech And he was the first democratically elected president of Czechoslovakia, and then when they split, of the Czech Republic. And he was a man who had been in prison for his stand against communism. He was a patriot, a playwright, an author. But he said when he became the president of Czechoslovakia and then the Czech Republic, he said it was almost like becoming the president of a nation of children. Because people did not know how to govern themselves. And in a sense, that is what Moses is dealing with. He's dealing with a generation of children that had been raised in the wilderness. And he's trying to prepare them for self-government under Joshua's leadership when they transition into the land of Canaan. And so that's one of the main purposes of the book of Deuteronomy. Let's pray. Father, help us as we look into this tremendous book of the Old Testament tonight and to understand at a new level the significance of it in the entirety of the Bible. And I need your help, and I pray that you would encourage our heart. I know that some of these Old Testament books are not necessarily the most exciting to read in our daily devotions, and yet, Lord, in them are things that pertain unto life and godliness, and they are a part of the whole counsel of God, and they have a unique and a specific purpose in the canon of Scripture. And So there are things that you want us to get from this tonight, and I pray that you would use the book of Deuteronomy to... Give us uh, some fresh water, some fresh bread this evening from heaven, and I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Just a brief review, the bookcase of five, Genesis, the book that covers the foundation of all things and the faith of the fathers. The book of Exodus gives the historical narrative of the formation of the nation, a family, when they went into Egypt, coming out as a nation of two to three million people, Leviticus, doesn't have a lot of historical narrative information in it, but it gives, uh, as it relates to ceremony, civil law, criminal law, the Levitical system, gives a tremendous amount of information uh, as it relates to the sacrificial system, the feasts, how the nation of Israel will function as a people, the purpose of Leviticus. Numbers deals with the historical narrative of the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness in the failures of the nation of Israel. And yet, you remember how we finished last week, even in their failures, the tremendous reminder that God is faithful. And even in the wilderness, Christ is there. And we finished by looking at some of those Old Testament pictures of Christ that were experienced by the nation of Israel in Uh, the wilderness wandering. Tonight, the book of Deuteronomy, and this really speaks of the future of the nation of Israel as it relates to the second generation. Uh, Moses will die. He'll hand the baton of leadership to Joshua. The older generation has died off because of unbelief at Kadesh Barnea. And God said everybody 20 and above is going to die, 19 and below. Those are the ones, the very children, Moses told that older generation, the very children you said will perish in the wilderness are the ones that are actually going to inherit the promised land, and you're going to die in the wilderness because of unbelief. And so Deuteronomy, the second giving of the law, in Moses' final month of life to this second generation, the future of the nation of Israel. Or we could look at it this way, Genesis, the book of beginnings... Exodus the way out the way out of Egypt that's what the name Exodus means Leviticus the matters of the Levites we also said that 96 times the word holy is used in the book of Leviticus and so we could also call Leviticus for the Old Testament Jew something of the handbook of holiness and yet the New Testament quotes numerous times out of the book of Leviticus 1 Peter chapter 1 being an instance where the Lord says through Peter, Be holy, for I am holy. I, the Lord your God, am holy. And so the matters of the Levites. The book of Numbers in the wilderness and uh, the, the historical illustration of how ground is always lost when we fail to believe and obey God. And then Deuteronomy. We could call this Moses' last will and testament. Deuteronomy is to Moses what John 13 through 17 is to the Lord Jesus Christ. That upper room discourse, his final words before death. Uh, Deuteronomy is to Moses what uh, 2 Timothy is to the Apostle Paul. What 2 Peter is to the Apostle Peter. The last will and testament. And we'll see in a unique way, in comparison to all of Moses' other writings, we'll see in a unique way Moses' heart come out. So, here's the map. Uh, we looked at this last week as well. You can follow the red line, Goshen coming across. this is where. And I and again, for those of you who weren't here several weeks ago, I know that there are two major schools of thought on which part of the Red Sea it was that the children of Israel crossed. Uh, there are some that believe it actually was over here, but uh, we're going to stick with this map for tonight, and we can debate this later on if you want to. OK. All right, Goshen. They cross the Red Sea and come down. Uh, within three months, they're at the base of Mount Sinai, okay? And uh, then they will end up staying in this area. God will send them to Kadesh Barnea right about the second year after he's given him his law, as recorded in Exodus, Leviticus. And then it's time to occupy the land right at the beginning of year number two in the wilderness. They refused to obey God. Twelve men went to on Canaan. Ten were? Two were? Good, okay? And uh, the people refused to believe God, and so God sent them back into the wilderness. And this gap right here really illustrates 38 years and 8 more months of wandering in the wilderness as a consequence for not believing God. At the end of that period of time, the last couple of months of the 40 years, their trip will resume. They'll come up through here. Of course, they'll have their run-ins with Edom, Moab, and Ammon. And then right here in this area at the tip of the red arrow is where uh, Mount Nebo is located. I'm going to finish tonight with a picture of Mount Nebo. And it's from Mount Nebo, also called the Range of Pisgah, that Moses would have been allowed by God to see back west across the Jordan River towards the Mediterranean Sea to see the land of promise but not be allowed to go in himself. So the book of Deuteronomy was not written down in this part but was written right up here in the last month of Moses' life, just so you can have a mental image of this, okay? Some background information about the book of Deuteronomy, okay? Deuteronomy means second law. The deuter there at the beginning is uh, Latin for two, namas, Latin for law, the second law, the second giving of the law. Moses, this is Moses' last personal rehearsal of the law to the second generation of Israelites. So there's a lot of repetition that you would see between Uh, things that were said in the book of Deuteronomy and things that were said in the book of Exodus and Leviticus, but it's to the younger generation that it's being said. Uh, It's given in the last month of his life and making it his last will and testament. Uh, There's the preparation for succession. We've already seen these pictures. Moses laying hands on Joshua, the handing of the baton, so to speak, preparing Joshua. It's... uh, 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 I look towards the end of the book of Deuteronomy, and I won't take the time to turn us there tonight, but there are several times where Moses is instructing the nation of Israel. Joshua is standing right there by his side. He's telling Joshua, be strong and of a good courage. And then in the same context, he said, because I know these people. And they've got hard hearts... (laughs) And just like they've strayed for 40 years in the wilderness, they're going to do it when they get in Canaan land. You talk about a really way, you know, we live in a world that doesn't like a lot of the negative. You know, we're like, you've got to pump everybody up, you know. But Joshua, or Moses, man, he didn't hold it back. He said, be strong and have a good courage. You're going to need it. Okay. You read those last couple of chapters of Deuteronomy. You know, but aren't you glad for faith in the power and the promise of God? Uh, but anyway, so, and Moses was doing what he was doing under the leadership of the Lord. We need some realism every once in a while, don't we? Okay. Uh, several noteworthy facts about the book of Deuteronomy. It has a personal touch that Moses' other writings do not necessarily have. This is not a negative positive contrast, it's just uh, a peek into, if you would, a more specific focus on the purpose of the book of Deuteronomy. The word loved. ...is used four times and all four of those times... ...and we'll see one here in just a moment, chapter number seven. If you want to go ahead and jump to chapter number seven, Deuteronomy chapter number seven... ...the word loved is used four times... ...and in all four times that it's used in the book of Deuteronomy... ...it's talking about God loving his people. The Lord God loved you. And then, sixteen times the word love is used... ...sometimes to refer God's love to his people... Sometimes used to refer to the love that was expected of the people towards God. Forty-three times in this book, reference is made to the heart. And so it is, in many ways, uh, though we often associate it with the law, it has a profound focus on the heart. Notice, if you would, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7, and verse number 6. Moses, in one of his messages to this second generation, says, For thou art an holy people, Unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, that is speaking to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt? Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. And we could go on in reading. But the focus, and that is a consistent focus. And there are several more chapters that... Uh, that have just this intense view of the love of God and God's love for his people. It could well be said that Leviticus deals with the holiness of the law, Numbers deals with the history of the law, and Deuteronomy with the heart of the lawgiver. And especially as you think about Moses' last month, of life. He knows he's going to die, and yet we're getting these wonderful glimpses of his love for the people and also his communicating of God's love for his people, focusing on the grace of God, the goodness of God, and the character of God in order to encourage, to challenge these people so they can understand the God that made this covenant with them so that they will be motivated in their obedience and in their reciprocation of love to him as well. Other noteworthy facts, the book of Deuteronomy is quoted over 80 times in the New Testament. It is one of the top four, Genesis, Psalms, I believe Psalms is the most, then Genesis, then Deuteronomy, and then Isaiah. And it's, it's significant how many times the book of Deuteronomy in particular is quoted. It's part of a small group of Old Testament books that Christ and first, uh, first century Christians quoted on a frequent basis. This is the book that Christ exclusively quoted from in his wilderness temptation. I want you to look at these four passages of scripture. We'll not take the time to turn to Matthew chapter number four, but I want you to get the connection. Moses gives instruction to the people of Israel in their wilderness experience on how they can succeed, if you would. And they didn't succeed very well. Matthew chapter number 4, the Lord Jesus Christ in his own wilderness temptation uses the words of Moses from Deuteronomy to defeat Satan and to succeed in his wilderness temptation. The lesson for you and for me is this, is that with Christ and with the Scripture, we have all of the resource and the power that we need in order to succeed in our own wilderness experiences in life. Christ is picturing himself in Matthew chapter number four as the redeemer of Israel, as the new Israel, if you would, the new Israel of God. And where Old Testament Israel failed, the New Testament Israel in the person of Christ would succeed in conquering the devil. Notice, if you would, chapter number eight, verse number three, and you'll recognize this if you're familiar with Matthew chapter number four. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse number three, The Lord speaking through Moses here, And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Remember, the Lord was hungered after his 40 days in the wilderness. And the devil tempted him with a loaf of bread, and he and his temptation in successfully defeating the devil in his temptation showed how it's by the word of the Lord that man lives. Notice, if you would, chapter number 6 and verse number 16. Chapter number 6 and verse number 16. Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted him at Massa. And the Lord Jesus quoted this same verse. Look at chapter 6 and verse number 13. I know we're kind of moving backwards here, but we're going to jump ahead in just a moment. Chapter number 6 and verse number 13, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, and serve him, and shalt swear by his name. Look forward to chapter number 10, Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse number 20. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, him shalt thou serve, and to him shalt thou cleave, and swear by his name. So these four passages are the passages from which Christ drew. And remember, he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. That is, it stands written. It was authoritative when Moses wrote it in the book of Deuteronomy. And then 1,400 years later in the life of Christ, it was authoritative, it was preserved, it was sufficient for defeating the devil in temptation. And may I say tonight that it is still this blessed old book that is the strength that we need in order to defeat temptation. The book of Deuteronomy also contains the Shema. If you look at chapter number 6 of the book of Deuteronomy, it's what some have called the statement of faith of the nation of Israel. Our church has, a lot of churches have, a statement of faith. Here's what's called the statement of faith. And these were some of the earliest words that little children would be taught, Jewish children would be taught and would memorize. Remember I told you last week, that the book of Leviticus, no, it was two weeks ago, the book of Leviticus was the first Old Testament book that Jewish parents, Hebrew parents in the Old Testament taught their kids to read. Whoa. Makes you glad for Abeka's phonetics, doesn't it? Okay. Notice chapter 6 and verse number 4. This is called the Shema. Shema is the Hebrew word for "here." It's a command. Hear, O oh Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Here's a tremendous statement of theology about the unity of God. The Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love. There's one of the mentions of the word love. Love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day, they shall be in thy heart. That's the second time we've seen the word heart in this text. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up, thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and upon thy gates. The point of this, is this keep the book always before you filter everything through the book talk of it all the time when you're standing up when you're sitting down when you're lying down at night as you're sitting around the table make the center focus of your conversation the book and remember all of this is in the context of Moses preparing the second generation to be successful in their occupation of the promised land Some have identified the theme of the book of Deuteronomy as this, remembrance in the land, or can I say it more colloquially, this, don't forget God. Don't forget the Lord. Look at how he's worked for you. Look at how he brought you out of bondage. And even in your disobedience, look at how he cared for you. Your shoes didn't wear out. You had bread every day from heaven. God brought water out of a rock. He kept your enemies at bay, even though you were vulnerable in the wilderness. And now you're getting ready to go into this promised land that flows with milk and with honey. Don't forget the Lord. And what a practical reminder for us. God will even remind the the children of Israel, the second generation, several times in the book of Deuteronomy, as you read it, that He knows it's our tendency to when all the blessings come and we're in the good of the land, so to speak, as it relates to the nation of Israel, all the blessings. Our human tendency is we're prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. We're prone to forget. 44 times... Their possession of the land is referenced in the book of Deuteronomy. Let me just show you one instance of this. Look at chapter number four. Forty-four times their possession of the land. Notice uh, chapter four, verse number one. Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them that ye may live and go in and what Possess. possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. And as you read the book of Deuteronomy, you'll see that statement, that formula repeated 44 times. Don't forget the Lord. Take heed to obey the commandments of the Lord. Because you're going to go in and you're going to possess this land. And if you don't obey the commandments of the Lord, you're going to jeopardize your status in the land. Many of the sections of the book of Deuteronomy begin begin with this formula. Notice back chapter number 6. I won't look at all of these, but notice chapter number 6. We were just there in verse number 4, but notice verse number 1. Now these are the commandments, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to what? Possess it. Look at chapter number 7 in verse number 1. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to? Possess it, and hath cast out many nations before thee. And he names the different groups of the Canaanites. And you, you might say, Pastor, how does this apply to us? How does this apply to us? The occupation of Canaan land in the Old Testament is an illustration or a type for New Testament believers of our living victoriously in the Christian life. So there are applications that can be made. If we're going to live victoriously, we've got to obey the commands of this book and the promptings of the indwelling Spirit of God. Two-thirds of the chapters contain reference to the land for a total of some 130 times. So the focus on, listen, this is the land, don't forget God. Ten times the promised land is called the good land. Here's a very simple outline of the book of Deuteronomy. And it really centers around a series of five messages that uh, Noah, uh, Noah, Moses, preached to the children of Israel, that second generation. Five messages. I'm just going to go ahead and put all five of these up here. The first one begins in chapter number one, and the uh, first several verses there, that's the heading of chapter number one, beginning verse number five, and following, And Moses focuses on the past guidance of God. And if we keep in mind the theme, just to to gain an understanding, a better understanding of the book of Deuteronomy, that theme of remembrance in the land or don't forget the Lord. Okay, If we keep in mind that theme, basically, is the driving thought of the book of Deuteronomy. Don't forget the Lord. And the first way that you make sure you don't forget the Lord is by remembering His past guidance. Folks, we can think easily about application in our own lives, how easily we forget the Lord, but one of the ways we can keep that from happening is to look back in the past and to remind ourselves of how Jesus has led me all the way. And how God has guided. And and I think about difficult times in lives. I, I think about expectations, having an expectation of how an opportunity or a ministry or a relationship was going to turn out. And then the shock and sometimes the trauma of a relationship or an expectation not being met and how easily we can be disappointed by that. But the important thing is for us to be able to look back and realize, you know what? It may have been dark while I was there, but I can look back now and I can see Jesus led me all the way. The guidance of God helps to remind us of the Lord. Wait a minute, i got to go back. The present guidelines. If we want to remember the Lord, and I'm speaking to the nation of Israel, essentially if the children of Israel were to remember the Lord and not forget Him, then they also would need to pay heed to the present guidelines for the possession of the land. If you would, the requirements. And that begins in chapter number 5 and takes up, as you can see there, by looking at the chapter numbers. Really, five, one, the next, the next major sermon begins in chapter number 27. And the point is this, those present guidelines took up a major portion or take up a major portion of the book of Deuteronomy. Beginning with chapter number 27, if you're going to remember the Lord in the land, if you're not going to forget him, then when it comes to personal government, God's people need to make sure that they're living under the government of God. Chapters 27, 28 deal with the blessings and the cursings. Interestingly enough, the children of Israel at other times in their history would stand half of them on one side of a valley and half of them on the other side of the valley and they would recite back and forth these blessings and these cursings. If you obey God, blessing. If we disobey God, cursing. And look at chapter 27 and 28 uh, when you get a chance and recognize that one of the ways that God's people remember him is by living under his personal government. Chapter number 29 and 30, you remember the Lord by recounting the prevailing grace of God in the wilderness wandering. And then finally, chapter 31 through the end of the chapter, remembering the preeminence of God for all eternity. Now, that being said, I know I'm jumping ahead here. I want you to go to chapter number 32. Chapter number 32, here's a song that Moses writes to help the children of Israel remember. Notice chapter 31, verse number 30, And Moses spake in the ears of all the congregation of Israel the words of this song until they were ended. Notice verse number 7. Look at verse number 4. I have it highlighted. This is a good one. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. Verse number seven, here's the admonition to remember, don't forget, remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations, ask thy father and he will show thee thy elders and they will tell thee when the most high divided the nations, their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, what's Moses doing here, he's giving this a song, he's Listen, look back on the past, the hand of God, and it'll help you to remember him when you get into the wilderness and you experience all the blessings that are there. Notice verse number 15. Here's where Moses speaks realistically and prophetically. But Jeshurun, this is another name for Jerusalem or the nation of Israel, but Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked. That is the idea of they kicked against the restraint, the control of God. And then God says to the nation of Israel, Thou art wax and fat, thou art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. Then he, what's the word? Forsook God, which made him, and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. Do you see how Moses is bringing up this theme of remember God, don't forget God? Notice verse number 18. Of the rock that begot thee, thou art unmindful. And by the way, notice Moses, as God's representative, is speaking now in the present tense. He's not looking back in the past tense to a former generation. He's speaking in the present tense. Of the rock that begot thee, thou art unmindful and hast forgotten God that formed thee. And so you can imagine there were parts of this song that would have been very exhilarating and there were other parts that were very sobering. But the focus on the preeminence of God and whether well, there are other sections that you could look at here. Notice chapter number 33. I love verse number 3. Yea, he loved the people. And it just it turned to chapter number 33 and verse number 26. There is none like unto God, the God of Jeshurun, who rideth upon the heaven in thy help and his excellency on the sky. The eternal God is thy refuge and underneath of the everlasting arms. and So the focus on the preeminence of God to help this second generation not forget God. When in just a few weeks, Moses will pass off the scene, Joshua will become the new leader, and they're going to see the Jordan River stopped in its tracks and cross on dry ground. Don't forget the Lord. Just some application as it relates to the book of Deuteronomy. And I'm going to move quickly uh, through this. There was a new generation which needed equipped where we can make application there. There's always a new generation. And you know what my desire more and more recently is? And I know, I know I'm not real old. okay. And there's no one old in here tonight. We just have some older folks in this room this evening. You can decide if you fit in that category. But listen, focus on the next generation. Pointing the next generation to the Lord. What a lesson from Moses for us. Even though he wasn't going to get to able to be able to experience everything that he had longed, focusing on the next generation, pointing them to the preeminence of God, the love of God, how much God loves them. There must be heart preparation for the future. 43 times references made to the heart. And I'm I'm telling you, if we're not careful, especially as independent fundamental Baptists, okay, we are like the Pharisees. And we focus on externals. And we fail to recognize the importance of the heart. When the heart's right, everything else will come into line. There must be heart preparation for the future, and Moses teaches us an important lesson here as it relates to his focus. His focus is on the heart, the heart, the heart. If the focus is, if the heart's not right, that externalism is only going to feed pride, and pride comes before destruction. There's been a lot of people who have been destroyed looking right, but because a heart that was corrupt. Moses makes it clear that in spite of the sinfulness and the rebellion of the people, that there can be victorious occupation. We need to be reminded of the fact that within each of us is a deceitful heart that is corrupt. And every one of us in this room has the tendency towards And the possibility of rebellion and pride in our own lives. But praise the Lord through Christ. Through our New Testament, Joshua. We can have victorious occupation. When it comes to the Christian life. There can be guaranteed, be a guaranteed propagation passing on to the next generation. And then there can be a future expectation of blessing. We think about what this generation would experience going into the land of promise. Uh, just a final picture here, and then we'll go to prayer. This is, uh, this is the Dead Sea, the northern edge of the Dead Sea. The Jordan River would come in in this area right here. Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, this, this is a, a tourism plaque right here. This is on the top of Mount Nebo on the eastern side of the Jordan River in the present-day country of Jordan. Looking back westward, uh, this line right here points to Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is somewhere over here, several miles inland. Um, And uh, a number of different uh, markers here pointing back up to the Jordan River, running back up here, you can't see it. From some spots you can actually see, you can see a very wide panorama of uh, the Jordan and the Dead Sea and uh, the Sea of Galilee but all that to say, Moses is here. This is what he's seeing from this perspective. And I've, I've thought in my mind what it must have been in his heart to look, to have longed, to have led. And to know that he's not going to get to go. You know what I appreciate about Moses? Is he didn't finish his final month's belly aching. He finished his final months pointing that next generation to the Lord. Then keep your eyes on him. Pay close attention to what he said in his word. Don't forget how much he loves you. And when your mind begins to wander from him, think back about his past guidance. Look at all of the pouring out of his prevailing grace in the wilderness. Look at how he cared for you. It's a big deal to a teenager to have a pair of shoes that never wear out. You just think about those kids growing up, what they had seen. And Moses spends his final weeks preparing them for the promised land. By the way, Moses has already gotten to see the promised land. And not from this perspective, but on the top of Mount of Transfiguration. Isn't God good? And, And he's going to get to spend the whole millennium there too, by the way. But what a lesson for us. Remember the Lord and pointing the next generation to him. Father, thank you for your word tonight. I pray that our hearts have been challenged even as we go to prayer in just a few minutes to remember you, to remember your power, to remember your love for us, that you're a father, who you are and your abilities to look in the past for your guidance, to look in the past for your power and your care, the manifestations of that. Thank you that we can each of us look back and say, Jesus led me all the way. So Lord, I pray that we would live in submission ongoing in the generation where we are, live in obedience to the Lord. As New Testament believers, remembering that Christ has a law and a commandment too. His law is love, and His commandment is that we love one another and bear each other's burdens. And we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love our neighbor as ourself. And remember that love is the fulfilling of the law. And Lord, help us to live in victory as believers in our own promised land. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.